As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Today, Seagull's revenge as Potter suffers humbling return to Brighton. We try to preview match day six in the Champions League without using the term dead rubber. There's another win for CFCW and the rest of the Chelsea news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Oh dear, listener, not a very happy Monday in the world of Chelsea Football Club. Given what happened at the weekend, we're going to do the post-mortem on the Brighton game, get a bit cheerier when we talk about the women's team and a bit more in besides as well. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by the Athletics Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson. Hello, Simon. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, hi. I got off to a slow start, a bit like Chelsea. Get it? Okay, there's going to be lots of those analogies, I fear, over the next sort of 20 minutes, listeners. So strap yourself in. Um, fresh from their sensational victory in the quiz on Thursday, Jesse Park Humphries is back with us. How are you doing, Jesse? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. I thought, you know, better just keep it rolling and leave everyone <laughs> on Thursday to, to quiz themselves because I don't want to put everyone under too much pressure. <laughs> well said. Uh, right, it was a miserable Saturday at the seaside for Chelsea, so let's get that out of the way first. Callis at 420, so shoots again. Again, it's straight at uh, Mendy, but it may come back to him with a second shot. This time with his left foot. Save. Gross on the rebound. Tucks it away. And that's all three points in the can. Pascal Gross with Albion's fourth. It's part of uh, the process. You know, you have to suffer. You have to feel pain in, in order to grow and, and get better. Uh, no, no one said that we were the finished article, nowhere near. So we have to take the pain of today and, and learn from it. A terrible return then for Graham Potter and his staff to the club they left for Chelsea last month. A 4-1 hammering dished out by Brighton and Hove Albion at the Amex on Saturday. Chelsea two down, less than 15 minutes in. They scored two own goals in the first half and were generally miles below the levels we've seen since Potter took charge. Simon was at the Amex. He did send us a voice note, but he couldn't possibly compete with the 1997 one-hit wonder by Gala. Uh, let's just hear a little bit before it all went a bit wrong. The honeymoon period is over. It's official. To be honest, this has been coming. 
the honeymoon period is over. Um, I think that's fair enough, Simon. I just wonder, and we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of the performance, which was pretty rotten, but is there a danger that people might be a bit overreactive, given that this was Graham Potter's 10th match in charge and, and first defeat? Or was it that troubling that we do need to be panicking a bit? Uh, panic is a bit strong, but what what I would say and is that this has been coming, um, that... Chelsea's performances or starts to games haven't been good. If, if you sort of think back to obviously last week, Manchester United, Aston Villa, where they were very flattered to win that game. But at the same time, to flip it round, as he said in the, um, the daily embargo section, which is the, the little huddle he does with with daily journalists um, separate to the Sunday journalists, that more pain. It's kind of expected. And and to be honest, I expected it. And if you're a Chelsea fan, you should expect it too. He's trying to completely change the style of play. He's, he's trying to make Chelsea uh, more entertaining, more, more of an attacking threat. And inevitably, when you've not been given a full pre-season to work with the players, there are going to be bumps along the road. And he said, look, there's going to be, essentially said there's going to be more pain to come. What is particularly obviously noteworthy about this defeat was not only the manner of it, the scoreline, but of course it's against his former club and the Brighton fans certainly enjoyed rubbing his nose in it, basically from the from the first whistle. But it was alarming. I think some of his selection decisions are a bit baffling. This this constant sort of desire to play almost Tuchel-esque, really, uh, attacking players as wing-backs who, who provide no defensive cover for very sort of... Um, tired defenders, particularly in Thiago Silva, it left Chelsea far too open and it continues to leave Chelsea far too open. But he's going to try things because he's new new manager and he's obviously got to try things to get Chelsea playing the way he wants. Jesse, are you concerned about the fact that he keeps seemingly picking the wrong formation or lineup to start with and then having to adjust to that? Or is that a natural consequence of, of a coach coming in midway through a season without the full knowledge of the squad? I think if it had happened once or twice, and when it did happen once or twice, I went with the latter. But I think the more it goes on, the more you do start to feel like, well, why aren't you starting to figure it out more? And I think especially, again, the the Brighton context here is there's not another team in the Premier League that Chelsea could have played that Graham Potter would have known better, presumably, how to set up against than Brighton. So I think, again, you're like, well you know, this was pretty much how Brighton always play. You know, I didn't really feel like I, w- I was watching much different, you know, in terms of how they, uh, you know, like to to move their players around. They like to rotate those attacking positions. They like to, to push players on. And I think for me, the concern was as well was, <laughs> it's a bit like what Simon just said, like it has been coming. And even in matches where we've won and we've played well, you see evidence, I think, of the stuff that, that happened in this game, you know, Pulisic and Sterling was used as wing-backs there and, and Chelsea did look very open at points and obviously Salzburg don't go and score three goals in the first half, but I think the concern for me is is there have been elements of this performance in all of the previous performances and I don't understand why those solutions haven't been been found yet. 
Uh, if we look at some of the individuals, Simon, it's Halloween today as we record. Somebody turned up at Brighton on Saturday in a Thiago Silva costume, but uh, Mark Kukurea was the um, the more concerning performance. That was the subject of your post-match piece uh, for The Athletic. Fair enough if he was rattled by the reception he got, which was not befitting of Brighton's reigning supporters player of the year. But it, it's, it's the broader issue, isn't it? It's the fact that really since his cameo at Everton on opening day when he was excellent, he's not hit those heights again. And, and if anything, maybe going backwards. Yeah, it, it, it has been a tough time for him, and I thought, to be honest, there's quite a few players I, I could, I could, have, that headline could apply to. You know, is it time for Chelsea to be worrying about dot dot dot, especially with the new signings? Um, it's not many that have exactly paid off so far. But Kikarella, there are mitigating circumstances. I explained in the piece. I think, I think joining so late is is never good for for a player. That's trying to make an impact. I think Ben Chilwell's form has been better than than perhaps Chelsea expected, and now he's he's finding himself filling in for Koulibaly as the left sided centre back. And from what I've seen so far, he doesn't look comfortable there at all. He looks far more comfortable as a left back, straight left wing back. I know he's played there in the past for Brighton, but generally he's been more sort of on on, on the flank. And quite recently. He did suffer an illness and he lost weight from it and, and perhaps that, that, that's still lingering and, and taking time for him to recover from. But I think he he's one of one of a few players that might benefit from this this World Cup break just to reset and, and, and just to get his mind in a good place because I did find it quite notable and that's why I flagged it when he came off and and the assistant Billy Reid sort of went to clearly have a wear with him and try and reassure him because this was the fourth game in five that he's been subbed off and he didn't want to know really. And and I thought, yeah, he, he's he's not in a good way. I just want to quickly, uh, at my own expense, flag Tiago Silva because I think I was busy tweeting about Tiago Silva when and totally missed his role in opening goal and went, oh, Tiago Silva's the only one that's turned up so far today. <laughs> and um, I mean, he did make two phenomenal clearances off the line in the first five minutes. Um, but I just happened to completely miss his role in the opening goal, which was him giving the ball away. Um, I did see him getting dribbled round, but yeah, him giving the ball away was was a key part. But I think with Silver as well, you know, he's playing an awful lot of football, and I think it caught up with him on Saturday. And I think he's catching up with a few players actually this this Champions League midweek run, and that's why this dead rubber is uh, extremely useful midweek. Uh, somebody else who's struggling, Jesse, Raheem Sterling. Pat Nevin on Five Live said if he keeps playing the way he is right now, he's not even a consideration for the World Cup. Now, he surely goes to the World Cup and he probably starts as well. But I think it's also fair to say he's been the poorest performer under Graham Potter, which is a worry. I mean, he's not being played in his right position, is he? But but this was Chelsea's marquee summer signing. It started well for him and, and his form seems to have completely disappeared. Yeah, and I think Sterling is someone who's always felt like a confidence player. And I think there's something, you know, that's always been the funny thing, right, with his sometimes his England performances versus how he looked occasionally in a City shirt as well. I think there's a sense that with England, he's, you know, this it's the Gareth Southgate problem in some ways. He When he really loves and trusts those players, they play regardless, right? But I think also that can really benefit players like Raheem Sterling, I thought he had good moments in this game going forward, particularly in the first half. But obviously there's this strange comment from Potter afterwards, which is that, you know, Pulisic and Sterling's role 
at wing back wasn't to track their wing back. But you know, the total lack of defensive cover that there was there for Kukurea that made it, to be honest, look like Kukurea basically was playing as a quasi left back because he was just having to cover all of that space from left side of centre back all the way up almost towards the the halfway line. So obviously Potter's comments around that, you're like, okay, but so what what was he supposed to be doing if it wasn't that? You know, that was like the the half of the the question we didn't get the answer to there. So yeah, I think it's tough, right? I I don't think he suits playing the wing back role at all. And that's one of the things where again it's I don't understand why Potter is really persisting about it because we've seen this quite a few times. And actually I don't hate Christian Pulisic in that role because I think he feels like he's able to be up and down a bit more dynamically. But in terms of the way Sterling wants to move and, and kind of come inside, it just feels like when you were looking at the game, it, he was so narrow and that's where all that space was. And that's kind of because it's where he wants to be. And it just feels like there's this big disconnect between how Potter thinks Sterling should be playing and how Sterling is naturally going to play himself. Is there an obvious solution here, Simon, and to just say let's just switch to a back four until Reese James comes back from injury and that would help things out? Or is that a bit simplistic? No, um, and, and he has shown that he's willing to play a back four. Uh, I mean, to be honest, sometimes it's, it's hard keeping track of what formation he's playing because he's switched every five minutes. In fact, there was, there was he did switch to a back four in the second half and suddenly Ruben Loftus-Cheek was playing right back and I went, uh-oh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind taking him on if I was good at football. Um, because he, he's not um, he's not exactly known for his defensive qualities, you know, with a, some someone like a winger running at him. And, and it, I remember he was beaten quite easily within a few minutes um, with a dribble and so on. Um, what I would say, though, I think we should sort of flag a little bit that uh, at 2-0, Chelsea started playing and you could sort of see an element of what Potter had planned because they were... Essentially, I don't know whether you agree, but it it, it looked like a, a, a sort of a three one four two, and yeah, I think if I counted too many players there, three one four two or three four, uh, brain fade. <laughs> Three, yes, three four, plus one, four. That'd be a four-four-two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. It's like on Talk Sport the other day. I was, after the game, I couldn't remember the name of the Brighton goalkeeper live on air. I was like, I've just been to the bloody game. So I just called him the Brighton <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> um, yeah, it was three-one-four-two. Yes, I can do maths. And, um, but you could sort of see, you could see at 2-0 what he was thinking because I... I remember Kovacic winning the ball high up the pitch. I think it ended up Sterling. It may have led to the Gallagher-Pulisic double chance, if memory serves. And I remember sort of saying in the press box, that was the game plan. And it, and it did work. I mean, the, the Brighton goalkeeper, uh, who I remarkably forgot to uh, to remember, he was busy. What's his name? It's Sanchez. It is Sanchez, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I always, always the way to remember it, the way to remember it, Simon, is that it, to me, it sounds like a made up name that somebody's using um, to avoid detection. Robert Sanchez. I just think like, mm. The weird thing is, I've got him in my fantasy league team. <laughs> but I, I just think this is a, a lack of brain cells on a Monday morning. Anyway, um, but he was actually the busy, the, the three goalkeepers, um, which I tweeted, because Chelsea did create opportunities, but. What was the killer was was the Chalabro goal. 
I know uh, Havertz scored just after half-time and there was a brief period where Chelsea looked like they thought they could have a comeback. But you did sort of see, OK, this formation was very much winning the ball high up and then really going for it. But you could see the massive amount of space that left him behind and, and Brian, uh, what a constant threat because of it. Um, and, and there was just a real sort of sense of calamity whenever the ball was in Chelsea's half. Um, Jesse, did we see here why Kepper is going to be first choice under Graham Potter? Obviously, Mendy comes on at half time. Could have done better for the fourth goal, but there just a couple of moments with his distribution where it was shaky, and a couple of moments where Thiago Silva kind of came and just said, "All right, well, I'll take care of this." Then, whereas in the first half, Kepper was coming out of his penalty area a lot to, to pick up the ball and, and start attacks. It's, Mendy's going to need to relearn a lot of skills, or even learn them in the first place, isn't he, if he wants to play potable? Yeah, although I did think this was kind of funny because I felt like you got to see in each half the exact weaknesses of both goalkeepers because there were also a couple of moments where Kepper kind of came for balls and didn't really, wasn't very convincing in getting near them. And it was almost like you could watch those two halves and have a perfect summary of what Chelsea's problem is when it comes to the the goalkeeper position. But I did think, yeah, it was very, very noticeable how nervous Mendy was with the ball at his feet in comparison to Kepa. And it's amazing, isn't it? Even over like the past five or six games where we've had Kepa playing in that role, there were moments where you almost expected like, oh, if Kepa was there, this doesn't become an issue. That moment, yeah, where Thiago Silva and Mendy basically run into each other because Thiago Silva obviously doesn't trust him. Um, even just like when Mendy was kind of coming wide to, to pass the ball. And Kepa obviously is just a lot better at being able to both do the sweeper keeper stuff which also is interesting because Chelsea have struggled in the past, haven't they? There's been a couple of goals where from corners, the ball's gone all the way down the other end of the pitch and Mendy hasn't figured out whether to come for it or not. And I think twice in the in the first half, Kepler came and did that really well. So, yeah, I, I always think that people over-egged how bad Mendy was with his feet at his best form. But I think it's quite clear at the moment he's not in his best form. And that is the, the first bit of his game that goes. Simon, presumably Monday morning, we don't know the severity of the, the Kepper injury. And um, we'll talk about our teams for Zagreb anyway. But, but that's a nice game for him to miss if needs be. Yeah, I would imagine it was already planned that, that Mendy would play this game. Um, he needs to play this game uh, from the start, knowing he's starting to try and get his confidence back. Um, and, and if Kepa is out for um, the Arsenal game, then, of course, you, you want a Mendy that, that's got a bit more minutes behind him. It was very sort of Wembley 2019-esque, though, wasn't it? The whole Kepa, is he coming off or not? I mean, you had, because I'm right behind the dugout, you had the Chelsea subs, sort of, like Jorginho was coming out and, and sort of issuing, you know, go down, go down, you know, so when the ball goes out of play, you know, to come off. And it was this utter, utter confusion. Mendy sort of, well, what am I doing? And then he's off warming up to the left. Kepa was kind of ignoring sort of the voices from the touchline. We didn't quite get the, the finger wag, uh, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it did bring back memories of, of um, that infamous incident that... Uh, commentators seem obsessed with with Kepa um, and here I am just repeating it um, every time he's playing it seems commentators refer to 2019 Gary Neville is, is and Jamie Carragher they're, they're still going on about it um, so it's like let it go lads so it's like three years ago and, and I think he's learned his lesson 
he said, having repeated what he did on, <laughs> on Saturday. But um, no, Mendy is a concern. Understandably, he's lost a lot of confidence. But yeah, at the same time, I did notice when one of the Brighton players tried to chip him uh, in the second half. And I went, good luck with that. <laughs> that's one thing Mendy does have over Kepa. You're not going to chip Edward Mendy, that's for sure. All right, that was Brighton for Chelsea 1. Now let's never speak of it again. Uh, the Blues back in action on Wednesday when they face Dinamo Zagreb in the final Champions League group game. We'll have a look at that after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So Chelsea confirmed as group winners in their section, meaning Wednesday's game against Dinamo Zagreb at Stamford Bridge doesn't mean a whole lot for the Blues. Dinamo need to win and for Salzburg to lose to finish third and get a place in the Europa League playoffs. Now, I've asked Simon and Jesse to come up with a starting 11 for this game. I've done the same. Uh, I assume we've gone for Mendy in goal, Simon? Correct. Jesse? I was tempted to go Marcus Bertinelli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mendy and goal. All right, I actually did go Bettinelli just for the banter and say that you could say he, he played <laughs> in the Champions League. Uh, what are you going formationally, defensive wise, Jesse? Three or four? Who are they? I'm going to go for the back three because I think, as much as this is a dead rubber game, when you look at the fixtures Chelsea have before the World Cup in Arsenal, City in the League Cup, Newcastle. And the performance that was put in against Brighton, there is obviously a necessity. I think you can't just like to to make sure things are working. You can't just say this is a throwaway game. And I do think Chelsea generally still look better with a back three. Um, so I've gone for Cesar Azpilicueta, Trevor Chalaber, and I'm hoping that Koulibaly will be fit and ready to get some minutes as well. Simon, you're going three. Are they the same personnel? I'm going completely chuck this chuck this game away and you know, lob in a bit of uh, learning. I'm going back four, right? And I'm going maximum rest of key players. I'm thinking Arsenal. All I'm thinking about is Arsenal. So here comes the B list. I, I did some... I, I just want to double check the rules on the B list. I'm going <laughs> Dion Rankin at right back. Okay, give him a chance. Chalobah. Bashir Humphreys, get him on the B list. And Lewis Hall, I know he's been playing midfield in... Uh, this is never going to happen, by the way, but this is what this is what I do on a football manager or whatever. Lewis Hall, I know he's been playing midfield for the under-21s, but get him back in, in the left-back role. And yeah, there you go. There's my back four. Keep a clean sheet for sure. All right, I like it. I've gone four as well. I've gone Azpilicueta, Loftus-Cheek, Chalaber oh, yeah. and Chilwell. 
Uh, I'm going 4-4-2, by the way. I really hope that we've all got a certain somebody in midfield. Jesse, you can go first. I mean, because I know who you're talking about, but because (laughs) I'm concerned about the run of games rather than just (laughs) wanting to throw this away, I've gone for uh, Jorginho and Gallagher in midfield. Okay. Uh, Simon, who have you got? Right, so I'm I'm now I'm actually going to play some senior players in the. So this is this is why I'd get sacked. Um, I'm I'm playing <laughs> I'm playing a four three three sort of. But Jorginho is the sort of deep deeper one of a, of a two man midfield with Dennis the Menace and Chuck Wemeka either side. Okay, nice. I like that. I said four four two. By the way, it's actually four three three now. Look at it. I've gone Zacharia Gallagher and Chuck Wemeka as a midfield. Three. Um, who have you got up front, Jesse? So, because I'm playing a three-four-three, three, so I've gone for Chilwell and Pulisic as wing backs, and then I'm going for Amanda Broder at the nine, Carney Chukamenka as like a one of those free ten things we like to do, and then let's chuck in Amari Hutchinson as well as our other mm. ten. Got some bad news for you. I don't think he, he's not registered, right, Simon? Is he not allowed? No. Damn. I did try and check, yeah. but I couldn't find the details. Um, I, I think you have Lewis Hall anyway. instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lewis Hall is a free ten. I know he's played in midfield, but <laughs> <laughs> he literally plays everywhere. Lewis Hall, so that is quite possible. Um, Simon, you've obviously got Breuer as well, right? We, I'm guessing we're, we're, we're three for three in terms of the big Albanian. Yeah, Breuer um, with uh, Ziyech one side, Pulisic the other. Um, <laughs> That's my, exactly my, what yeah, I've got. Like I said, yeah, I mean, I just think defense, look, this defence is never going to play in a million years. But I'm just sort of thinking, save Azpi's legs for Arsenal. Save Thiago, definitely, for, for Arsenal. Koulibaly, it's, yeah. I mean, mate, yeah, I can. T- I, I did think about that, you know, if, if he's fit enough. But the question mark of whether he's fit made me just go completely rogue or mental, as some, might, some <laughs> people might think, given what I've just said. But... But I just think, why not? Why not try a few things? But Matt Potter, Potter is understandably not going to go with what I've done. But I'm just thinking about resting players for the game that really matters on Saturday, where Chelsea definitely need to win that. Yeah, and it's all about not getting injured on Wednesday. Um, speaking of which, here's an update posted by the club on Monday morning. Reese James and Wesley Fofana will continue their rehabilitation programmes this week in Dubai. A member of the Chelsea Medical Department will accompany them. You can just imagine that meeting, can't you? Like, guys, we're going to need one of you to go to Dubai um, with Wesley and Reese and all the hands get raised very quickly. Um, most of them will be back, the medical department that is, at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday, 8 o'clock kickoff for Chelsea against Dinamo Zagreb. That means that the game will still be fresh in our memory when we record our Thursday pod. All right, next today, some good news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many thanks to the Chelsea women's team for providing some much-needed cheer this past weekend. It came in the form of a 3-1 home win against Aston Villa in the WSL. Jesse was on hand and can tell us 
all about it. Just from, from the highlights that I watched, Jesse, it looked as though Chelsea were largely in control. The stats would bear that out as well. 64% possession, 21 shots. Uh, but this was the Lauren James story, right? Yeah, it was really, really the Lauren James show. Um, she had a fantastic game, two goals and an assist. So handing all three goals and, oh my God, just every time I watch her, I just feel like she gets better and better. And I was literally tweeting just before she scored her first goal that it, when the ball gets to her, that's when it looks like stuff happens for this Chelsea team right now because she just causes defences to absolutely panic the way she moves with the ball. But yeah, I thought broadly this was a pretty controlled performance against an Aston Villa team who've looked one of the better sides in the WSL so far this season. So, um, And a big improvement on last year's scrappy 1-0, 92nd minute winner. Um, so yeah, I think this Chelsea side, you watching them, you can really see that they're a team who are starting to come together. I think especially in the second half, some of the attacking play was was really, really impressive and yeah, I still think we've got a bit of a problem with this Magda Eriksson left-back scenario, which basically boils down to the fact that Chelsea want to play a back four, but they want to play three centre-backs in the team. Uh, and I don't think it works. So someone's got to drop at some point, I think. But unless we see Chelsea continue to to persist with it, Emma Hayes was in the stands, which was great to see as well. Uh, so yeah, all in all, a pretty nice Sunday out. <laughs> um, Simon, you've, you've written about Lauren James in the past. Chelsea have showed real patience with her, haven't they? Particularly over last season, it feels like that's been rewarded now. Yeah, it's, it's a really great feel-good story. Um, she obviously joined for Manchester. That was a really prolonged transfer. Manchester United made it very difficult for Chelsea to get her out of there. It went on for, for quite a while. She sort of turned up injured, working on fitness for quite a while. Uh, but it did surprise me sort of just how little football she played. And if you remember, wasn't it in the, um, was it the Conti Cup, the Man City defeat? Did she come off the bench? And she looked incredibly rusty. Like It just, it just wasn't up with the pace of the game at all. And you just went, oh, there's a lot of work to do here. Now it's now it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? She, she was trending on Twitter last night. Um, and I decided to sort of see what people were saying. And there were people going, get her in the men's team. Um, <laughs> sort of, which I know there was sort of a bit tongue-in-cheek, but she's playing phenomenally well and it's great to see. And, and it's not just a Chelsea story, of course. It's it's an England one as well. It, it's great news for the, for the England women's team. And it's also good that, that Emma Hayes was, was in the stadium. Um, obviously, she's had a tough time of it lately uh, with health issues. So um, I think that must have buoyed the players to, to have the coach back uh, in the ground. I just want to go back to defence, Jesse, because you mentioned it. I wonder if Kadisha Buchanan settled down a bit because you're talking about maybe maybe changing and, and not having Eriksen at left back. Would that be in place of Buchanan or has she looked a bit more settled in the last few games? I think she looked better in this game than she had. She played as the right-sided centre-back against Vlatsnia but was back as the left-sided centre-back here. And I did think she looked kind of calmer on the ball, but I'm still not convinced that that's the long-term best position for her. I just think that whilst she might be able to do a passable attempt at it, you're not getting the Kadisha Buchanan that you signed as one of the best centre-backs in the world. And again, that's kind of, I guess, a bit of a question for Chelsea as to how they thought they were going to solve this, given that, you know, in Millie Bright, they have one of the best right-sided centre-backs in the world there. 
So I don't know if it's just something that, that the club feel like they want to to persist with, but either way, I'm not sure that having Magda Eriksson alongside her even necessarily helps her that much because Eriksson's problem is with dealing with pacey wingers and, you know, Alicia Lehman really, you know, she struggled to deal with her um, in this game. And I think obviously that then actually just piles on pressure to Kadisha Buchanan, who's there trying to kind of mop up the the tackles that Eriksson hasn't been able to, to make and the attack she's not been able to deal with. So I think it will just be interesting to see if Chelsea try and experiment with this more. Normally what happens with Hayes and these kind of tactical things is she'll try it and try it and try it. And then at some point something just snaps and you never see it again. There's never really this kind of piecemeal in, out, in, out. But, you know, it was telling that they went back to this back four of Ericsson, Buchanan, Bright, Perisette has been, you know, over the last kind of four or five games, clearly what the first choice is right now. But I would be intrigued to see if we're still talking about it like that in January, for example. That's well, five wins in a row in the WSL for Chelsea. They're one of three teams level on 15 points. They, Arsenal and Man United, Chelsea played a game more than the two above them and they go away to United on Sunday of next weekend. So that's a big game. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, Thomas Tuchel's in his Ravi Shankar phase, by which I mean he's been living up at the Sitaram Beach Retreat in India where he's been undergoing Ayurvedic rejuvenation therapy. Uh, in case you're wondering, that often considered synonymous with rebirth, for it completely revitalises the body, eliminating the ill effects of all previous disorders. Its cleansing effect gives a second lease of life by completely decontaminating the body, mind and spirit. Tuchel said this experience has oh. been fantastic. I feel energised and calm. I'd recommend this to everybody who wants to discipline the body and mind. Hope you're listening, Simon. Uh, anyway, whilst he was taking a break from that, he <laughs> spoke to the it? Sports Star paper. <laughs> it's probably more than we can afford. Uh, he said this about his time at Chelsea. I loved every day at Chelsea. Came to an end too early for me, but it was out of my hands. This is also what you sign up for, which is a lovely little low-key dig at the end. Um, where's he going to turn up next, do you think, Simon? I, I think maybe Spurs. <laughs> what to troll? Troll Chelsea. Um that he is in such a glorious position. No wonder he's sort of just chilling out because he knows the offers are flooding in. They'll be flooding in already. There's going to be some bigger, bigger clubs than Spurs after after <laughs> Thomas Tuchel, and that's not even a dig. It's a fact. You know the guy's won Champions League. He's, he's, I mean, I, if you were Tottenham and, and Conte does his usual dance, um, you, you definitely move for Thomas Tuchel. But I'm sort of looking at the event, the situation, who knows if Bayern Munich, he'll go to a team that can win the Champions League. That's what I think will happen. Um, and yes, and Chelsea could live to regret their decision um, or certainly cast envious glances when it, when he's succeeding elsewhere. Because as much as I had a problem with some of the style of his football at times, it, it could be quite dull to watch. No no, no one can deny that, that he did a fantastic job and, that's one of the pro- one of the things that Potter has to deal with is, is trying to succeed a very very popular manager who many Chelsea fans will feel that he left before his time was up. Uh, Jesse, as a Chelsea supporter, would you rather he was kind of out of our way trying to revitalise Juventus for a bit than than doing the latest ex Chelsea manager goes to Tottenham does bad job, we all left and leaves. 
Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'm looking forward to him taking the England job after England bomb out of the World Cup at the group stages and Gareth Southgate sacked. Uh, I would definitely prefer him to be in Europe. I don't want Thomas Tuchel at a Premier League club. That would make me feel really sad, to be totally honest. So, <laughs> European club, go wild, have fun at, at Juventus um, and that kind of uh, very fun league at the moment anyway. But yeah, not not in the Premier League. Maybe he'll enjoy the Ayurvedic rejuvenation therapy so much he'll just stay living in India. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, away from Thomas Tuchel, in terms of Chelsea's academy sides, the under-21s in action on Sunday, they couldn't beat Brighton either. They did get a draw, though, away from home. They were 2-0 up through Mason Burstow and Amari Hutchinson, but conceded a couple of late goals. Uh, the under-18s had a 2-1 win at West Brom on Saturday. Donnell McNeely and Tudor Mendel Idowu got the goals in that one. It lifts the Blues up to third in the under-18 Premier League South. Uh, that's just about going to do us for today. Simon, uh, tell us what subscribers to The Athletic can read from you and what they can look forward to this week. Uh, more silence from me for a few days. Um, I'm, I'm still still off. Um, I just want to actually, just quickly, before before I, I let everyone get back on with their day much slowly, I just want to quickly go back to the under-21s, actually. First of all, the three players I named in my team, I've also seen them play. It's not like I'm, I think they're rubbish. I think they're actually young really young, uh, promising players. Um, so it would be interesting to see what they what they do at senior level. But also, we didn't touch on the Amari Hutchinson being in the in the squad on the bench for the first time at Brighton. And of course, as you're watching the game unfold, you're going, oh, this is his chances of getting on, going out the window. But it was very encouraging to see him do like a, a keepy-uppy uh, with the other substitutes. And look very much part of it you know look that he wasn't sort of like oh I'm just a young kid here on work experience kind of nervousness you know he was joining in the the bants as Aubameyang kept messing up the two touch keepy uppy rule and was having his ear flicked he was at the back of the line to do the ear flicking you know he let the others go first but I just thought he was encouraging a big smile on his face and I just thought yeah this and and then for him on the Sunday to then perform as he did for the under-21s, again, I thought was an encouraging sign. You know, you've got the high of being part of the senior setup, but no, I'm not going to sort of just swan in to back to the under-21s and think, oh, what am I doing here? I didn't get on the day before. You know, he, he had another good game and that's really good to see. And I, I think he'll be back on the back on the bench soon enough, probably the, uh, the EFL Cup game, if he doesn't go away to... Um, with Jamaica to to play uh, against Cameroon. But um, yeah, that's my sort of going off on complete tangent, as always, to one of your questions. All right. Well, I'm going to link it back to the fact that you have written about Hutchinson for The Athletic and people can check that out if they want to. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to do so. There's lots of other good Chelsea content up there as well, from how Brighton's left side dominated Chelsea to uh, Simon's post-match thoughts on Mark Kukurea and plenty more besides jesse what have you got on this week um I, well i'm heading off at the end of the week to go and watch la clasica i'm calling it but the women's el clasico uh in madrid so Real Madrid barcelona which will be a, a fun little trip and it's an interesting rivalry there because historically atletico madrid have been the main women's team who've been a rival to barcelona but Real madrid very much on the up so i'm gonna go and see what all that that's all about 
Mm, scouting mission ahead of uh, Chelsea playing Real Madrid in the Champions League as well. All right, that will do us for today then. Um, on Thursday, we're going to be a whole lot cheerier because we're going to be talking about Chelsea smashing Dinamo Zagreb to pieces and then building up to the big win against Arsenal to knock them off their perch on Sunday as well. So keep that in mind, listener, as you go about your week. It will get better. It usually does with Chelsea. Many thanks to Simon, to Jesse and to producer Lucy for their company today. We'll catch up with you later in the week. Bye for now. The Athletic.